What's up, Spellslingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabagian. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Beer up. Welcome back, y'all. This is another episode of UUD. We are going hard on that throne of Eldraine, but we're going to take a little bit of a different path. There's a couple cards we didn't mention specifically because they were released in the Brawl decks. Yeah, there's like 20 or so cards that we're looking at here. Uh, we're looking at the Eldraine Brawl-specific cards that were not released in the standard booster packs. These were pre-cons. Yeah, so instead of just trying to push the format, as Wizards usually does... They made specific precons built for this format. All right, so before we get into things, of course, we got to dive into some beers. Gary and I had a very similar idea. We're buying beers recently, and we're like, you know what? It's fall. You know there's going to be pumpkin shit everywhere. We might as well just dive into it. Uh, we ended up having enough for an episode and then some. So we're just going to go in. I do not like pumpkin anything, basically. But as you'll see, Corey and I went to Oktoberfest, and we've got the stuff on Drew's Brews. It's not really a full Drew's Brews because we didn't break down every single beer. We're drinking. <laughs> uh, there's pumpkin beer action there and the colloquial name for mixing the black beer stout from Snowboard with the Uinta pumpkin ale was the Black Lantern, also called a dirty pumpkin, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, really good. And I'm a basic-ass white bitch when it comes to pumpkin stuff. I just like it all. Same. It's a good flavor. So the first beer we've got is actually a Black Lantern from Wasatch Brewery called the Black Lantern. Yep, it's got a spooky little can. Uh, it's got a spooky little spooky, can. Spooky, spooky, spooky. It's a nice little uh, jack-o'-lantern on the front. It's brewed with pumpkin and spices. It clocks in at 6.5% ABV and only 14 IBUs. So classic stout. We're going to have some sugars going on. I mean, they do label it as a pumpkin stout, not like a, a combo. You can't see through it. Yeah, so they probably bounce out the the pumpkin with the bitterness, so it's lower on the bitterness scale yeah, because of that pumpkin Yeah, that's a weird flavors. kind of flavor because I'm not getting the spice. It, the spiced flavor is kind of like the tail end of the swallow. Up front, you get just sugary, malty, a little bit of pumpkin kind of guts funk, you know, not like a pumpkin pie. It's not super sweet in that way, like a whipped cream sweet. Oh, if you want that, one of the, one of these beers is going to get you there. Yeah. But uh, this is good. The, the smell is very malty. It has like a very light spiced smell to it. The second breath is where I get most of the pumpkin from. Like you swallow, then you breathe a couple times. Okay. So my suggestion to you, Corey, as you're tasting here, taste, let it sit for a while and take a second taste because the first taste was 100% stout. It was malty yeah. and it was delicious. And it's exactly what you want. And then right at the aftertaste, it's like Gary was saying, where you strike that spiced action. The second time you taste it, you get all that together. Yeah, it's, and that it's, is where the beer is It's best. really chocolate forward, Yeah, which I, I really like. But that's it's so, yeah. so, super weird. The, <clears throat> the first taste was super malt, and then just a little bit of pumpkin at the end. And then since I had that on my palate already, tasting it again, it just mixes it so well yeah that's solid that's a decent beer yeah, yeah it's it's not if you're like drew and you don't like just straight up pumpkin flavor this is just the subtlest pumpkin yeah that was a lot like what we ha had up at oktoberfest yep the you stout was overpowering like the the bad part of the pumpkin and <laughs> you get just the good spices instead of the, the cloying sweetness that a lot of pumpkin ales suffer from you get the malty sweetness that the stout has all right, the next one we have here is from Dogfish Head Brewing. We had one of their beers on what, the green episode, I think. I think so, yeah. So this is the Punkin Ale. It's 7% and 28 IBUs. This one, it's a lot like the Pumpkin Stout in that it's <clears throat> it has a lot of malty sweetness to it, but nowhere near as much as the Black Lantern did. Yeah, it's way cleaner. Yeah, it's... I think it's it's a really good balance between the malty sweetness and sort of that spice that you expect from a pumpkin ale. I think yeah, this is a really good a really well balanced one. That almost just tastes like a <clears throat> kind of a spiced amber. Yeah, or like a, a Belgian. It's kind of got some of that funk to it. Yeah, it reminds me more of like uh, a saison. Yeah, where it kind of reminds me of like a pumpkin pie saison. Like yeah, that's you, the smell that I get off of it immediately. You get some of those weird fruity notes. Pretty pumpkin forward. <laughs> it does taste like a pumpkin saison. Yeah. That is where I'm gonna label this one. 
Yeah, I really like it. It's not terrible, but it's more what I expect out of pumpkin beers. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely more of a classic one. Yeah. Okay, Drew, you had the Elysian. Yeah, beer. so Elysian is another brewery that we fucking love. Yeah, uh, Elysian's great. Keep going back to them. We've got the Night Owl Pumpkin Ale. It's 6.7% and 19 IBUs. So this one I grabbed because I didn't see that it was made with actual pumpkin. I said that it was made with pumpkin seeds. Turns out it's made with both. <laughs> but so you got pumpkin. Actually, I do want to read this one. It's pretty nice on here. It's our original pumpkin ale brewed with pumpkin, roasted and raw pumpkin seeds, and spice and conditioning with nutmeg, clove, cinnamon, ginger, and allspice. Ooh. So they, they just throw in the whole mix in there. Sounds that like they know got what's the going recipe, on. yeah. I think that one... Oh, that smells nice. I think that one has the best color of any of these. Yeah, it's right in between the black lantern and the pumpkin. The ale. cinnamon and nutmeg are just overpowering smell. It's that pumpkin taste for sure. But I really like the earthy nutty tones that you get from the pumpkin seeds it's i think it's what pumpkin beers need to like actually enhance them to a higher depth of flavor than just like the crappy sweetness from and just pumpkin. like sweet instead of just sweet and spice it's has some more depth to it yeah it's it does have like the cinnamon is 100 there and taste the cloves tiny hint of ginger in there uh oh god it but, smells delicious yeah. it smells like cinnamon buns yeah it, it's like cinnamon nutmeg all up in there uh but the earthy tones that you get from the pumpkin seeds really adds a lot to it that is crazy it it really does taste like the pumpkin seeds like if you roast them yourself yeah. which my family loves to do yeah you roast with a little bit of salt yeah some papitas we throw some pepper on there that is oh yeah that's extremely that, good that spice smell is so good yeah this is this is really easy to drink and the last one we have here yes we got four beers the today big boy. boom this is this is one that you get to share it is the rogue Pumpkin Patch Ale, 6.1% and 25 IBUs. And they actually gave us the SRM, which is the Standard Reference Method, and it's at 33. So this one smells 100% like a pumpkin pie. This yep. is pumpkin pie in a can, or I guess bottle. Somewhat dark. This tastes like pumpkin pie, but not as much sugar. It tastes like the good pumpkin pies that are more spice and less sugar. <laughs> oh, God, that's good. That's if some you're good into stuff, pumpkin pie. Y'all. Then you 100% should get into this one. Yeah, it smells like mm-hmm. pumpkin pie. Yeah, it's pretty sweet, but not nearly as sweet as the Elysian. Um, earthy, but not yeah. not like the seeds or anything like that. It's just straight up pumpkin and spiced, which is that hint of like lingering malt. Yeah, that's kind of like that squashy kind of taste from pumpkins. Yeah, it's extremely smooth. Yeah. All right. So now that we've each got a beer and a third to split amongst us, I think one of you guys can have most of my third. I think one thing to note is that we did say that these beers are higher on the alcohol scale and that yeah. there's six to sevens, and you can't taste any alcohol. Oh, like yeah. Any of I guess that's a really good point to bring up. All right, Corey. So what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Brawl. Let's fight. So we actually got to play these decks. Yeah. So we played these. I bought the set of four. So that we could play them. Then uh, I took my sleeping meds and I had to bow out early because <laughs> that does not not work. Does not make for good playing when one player is just super drowsy and about to pass out. It, it sometimes gets rough. We've all been there when you stay up at like 4 or 5 a.m. playing Magic and everything's just weird and no, nobody knows what, what turn it is and you stuff like that. You have to like read that. a card five times. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I have to deal with insomnia in my normal life. I don't need to bring that into like my social life. Yeah, so Brawl is... One of the newest, if not the newest format that they've in, that Wizards has introduced. And it's basically 60-card commander. Standard. Using mm-hmm. only standard cards. Yeah, so it's a singleton. Yeah, so it's a singleton format, and you have a commander, but it's only using standard cards, 60-card decks, and you start at 30 life in multiplayer games, 25 in 1v1s, which is interesting because they have different rules for 1v1s as yeah. opposed to just commander which is use the, the, same. the same rules no matter how many opponents you have so that's brawl in a nutshell but what is this product specifically so this product specifically is four new commanders with new archetypes so when you say four you're saying the number four not this is not four new player commanders no yeah yeah sorry <laughs> it is one two three four new <laughs> commander cards all right Built around new archetypes that people can then take and build actual commander decks out of. But inside of these 60-card decks, there's a bunch of new cards 
and new strategies that people have devised using standard. Interesting to note, I did not know this when I first looked at the product. I thought they were all Throne of Eldraine cards. They're not. They're all standard legal cards. So there's M20, there's Ravnica, there's War of the Spark. So there's a good mix of all of basically the standard legal cards to build these decks. Yeah, the stuff in the past year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just the newest cards. Okay. It's all the standard legal cards. So then you're talking about like upgrading it to Commander. Who is this product directed at then? I think mainly this is directed at Commander players to try and get them more into standard and if there's one thing that i don't like as a commander player it's playing standard and keeping up with all of the decks having to buy new cards every couple of months because as sets rotate it just it's just too much sometimes and that's why an eternal format like commander is just so accessible to everybody what i will say though and this is coming from someone who has a backlog of cards um uh, for some reason, I've gotten a little more sympathetic with the standard players in that you don't have these crazy boogeyman archetypes that just yeah. linger forever. You don't have to deal with Snapcaster Mage every fucking place you go. You know what I mean? So it is kind of nice to have something that hopefully balances a little bit as things rotate, new things happen, um, and you have to find new ways to fight things instead of just facing the old... Strong cards. To be fair, though, when Brawl first came out, they had to do an emergency banning for Brawl because he was just exactly that. He was the boogeyman of the yeah. format. Yeah, and I think, like Andrew was saying, there's that's one of the high points of standards that the meta is always shifting, so you're always trying to find the next best thing. But it also is the worst part about Brawl yeah. <laughs> is that you can't just keep a deck. Like Your deck has to change. You can't even keep the same commander. It's limited. Um, so there's an article... Uh, that Watsi put out called Inside the Throne of Eldraine Brawl Decks. And in there, uh, Melissa Del Toro was one of the was one of the people that started that developed the deck. Um, and she was part of the play design team, I believe. And so what their goal was was to figure out what cards work and then design new cards to fit whatever the deck was lacking and actually make new cards for the for the set. And so what she says is our main goal was to get people to play more brawl. Brawl offers a much different experience than Commander, uses a smaller card pool, and has a lot of, lot fewer cards to compete with, which is what Gary was talking about yeah. with the smaller card pool. Plus, it's a great starting point for Commander or Standard decks, too. And so that's kind of the idea with the decks, is that they're just trying to get people to play Brawl. And I think that the, the lifespan of Brawl depends on this product. I think that this is going Agreed. to be the pivotal moment of whether or not this is a failed format or not. Is this another Tiny Leader's? Right, because I think that's kind of what happened with Commander, too, is Commander was gaining speed, but it wasn't necessarily the most popular thing. And then Watsy came out with products that people said, you know what, I don't have to think incredibly hard to make these crazy cool decks. Wizards gave them to me, and I can play them. So this probably is what Brawl needs if it's going to take off. So I guess the next question for me is, is this a necessary product then? Because obviously Brawl is not a, legitimately, it's not a very successful format as a whole. Right, we see that when people want to play multiplayer, they're playing Commander. Oathbreaker kind of popped up, yeah. and people started playing that for a while. I don't know how well that's doing as a format right now. I haven't uh, met a single person who plays it, but but is this the is this something that people want? Is it people something that people care about? Like, what is is it necessary? Do we do we care? I think a lot of people care about it. I don't know if a lot of people care about Brawl though. I think, like I said, a lot of Commander players are looking at these things because a lot of these cards can just be made into commander decks. So I think a good portion of commander players, especially even like us, like we played Brawl, like they'll look at these, try Brawl out, and then either decide this is for me and I like playing this and I'm just going to, I don't have to deal with Cyclonic Rift. I don't have to deal with all of these crazy mana vault and all that stuff. I can just play a more quote-unquote balanced commander variant. And then a lot of people latch onto that and a lot of people say, I don't have time to keep up with standard, and so they'll just grab the Brawl decks and then just move them back to the eternal format of Commander. Okay, then I guess that just leads to my next question. How does it, this format specifically and these decks, compete with EDH? Is this like one of the things that, is it something that can compete with with EDH? Because EDH is like the most popular format, right? Well, Is that even a fair thing to, to ask? I don't, I don't think so. And I think going back to the first question, I think for 
the player base, it's not a necessary product. It feels more like a hurdle. If you want to get a hold of these new commanders, you have to buy a whole deck instead of just getting... I mean, you can buy them in singles, but you couldn't just draft them or grab them out of packs at your pre-release. Right, it's they're um, not in the standard packs. They right. are in the collector packs, though. Yeah, but for, for, for 25 Wizards... Bucks, 30 yeah. bucks, something like that. Yeah, they're 25 deck. yeah. For Wizards, I think it was a necessary product because of what we're talking about. In order to make brawl a real thing they have to have the accessibility but i think because it doesn't compete with commander because people commander really is i think just nostalgic for people who want to play magic who want to play all their cards who have cards who want to play big splashy things or weird cards everything about brawl screams i don't want to sink my money into this because two years from now i can't play any of these cards if my commander goes out not only did i lose maybe a couple really good pieces but i lost the whole deck i have to figure something else out completely i don't think commander players identify with it at all maybe i'm wrong but i think that wizards brawl needed this just to try and get their foot in the door to cement themselves as so this is a real format? As a real format. But I think at the same time, Wizards shot themselves in the foot by underprinting the set yeah, a they, lot. Yeah, they have basically done like an emergency reprinting second run of this. It's supposed to be out in November, I think, is the, the room run on the stack right now. Yeah, because these 60-card Commander decks, they were selling, the, the whole set of them was selling for the same amount as the C19 100-card Commander sets at More one than point. That. And... When I bought the deck, it was or the four of them, it was 160 bucks. Jeez, and that is more than I paid for C17 or C18 combined, like all four decks. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at Arcane Signet, which is a common in the brawl decks and only in the brawl decks, it's a ten dollar card. It was twenty for a long time too. Like as stuff got spoiled, it wasn't until like two weeks after, and it was I think because they said, "Hey, we're actually going to print this again." But uh, Arcane Segment was like 20 25 bucks. Yeah, Each of the commanders was also 20 25 yeah, bucks. Yeah, it was prohibitive for anybody trying to get into the format because you couldn't buy the decks without shelling enough money to just buy a, a whole commander set. Yeah, when, yeah, like the stock just flew off shelves everywhere. And yeah. so the price on these started to go up. I paid 160 which is, for me, overpaying for, for these I, decks, yeah, right? I and I personally think that that's the exact type of thing that commander players dislike oh absolutely they but specifically see the corporate kind of environment of what you have to do it to make money i'm not saying wasi's a bad company for doing but that's exactly what people who have all these cards don't like They're like it's just a it feels like a money grab like yeah. i have to buy 60 cards when i want to but also you look at to me i comparing i'm comparing this to commander anthology because it's a product yeah. that got overpriced immediately because there wasn't enough supply like i've seen the full, like all four of them being sold for $200 online. And people are buying that because that was what, that was the only way you could get it. Yeah. And so I bought it for us to play as four, four decks and to, to play them as is. And that's the experience that I was going for. And I mean, we'll talk about it in, you know, a second yeah. here, but. Yeah. I just think that like using the Commander Anthology as an example, like that is for collectors and people that want the decks. This is for trying to get people to play a new format. And if yep. it's just way too expensive, if they they didn't believe enough in the format to print enough for everyone to have that they I don't see why they're trying to get the for, new format started that they don't even believe in. Yeah, that's but a fair argument. The the demand shows that I don't know if people want to play brawl, but they want these cards. They want the product. Yeah, I mean if you just look at commander sets, like commander sets still sell regardless of when they were printed. So as we move along this list here that we've got. I want to kind of talk about the hype versus the actual results of these decks. How do you think the power level of these decks stacks up? What 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 do these decks mean for players? I think that we should separate hype from power level because I think that those are two right. different that's conversations. That's what I'm, that's we have what I'm saying. About. We have to compare the two because it it was quite hyped. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm saying that I, I'd like to have a different conversation because the hype is like the hype was real for these, right? Like yeah. the first one that got spoiled, the first two cards were Tulane and. The Arcane Signet, yeah. right? And so it's just like, Months holy shit, came out. we just got a, like, the best Signet that's ever been printed. The best, I mean, probably the best two-mana uh, ramp spell in Commander. Like, two-mana have access to your colors. It doesn't come in tapped. Like, this goes in every Commander deck. It will go in every Commander deck. People are going to put it in every Commander deck that they can afford to do so. Yeah, it's right up there with Command Tower. It's like a staple. Like, if you make a deck, you probably throw any of those in. Yeah. Like this, this card is 
it is a soul ring like staple like that that's the yeah, level it's, of staples it's powerful not not as powerful it is as significant yeah as that okay so the first one we've got is the bant deck which is the one that got or which is the chew lane deck which is the card that got spoiled months before eldraine even came out so chew lane teller of tales is two a green a white and a blue for a two four legendary creature human druid with vigilance Whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card. Then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. You can pay three and tap him. Return target creature you control to his owner's hand. So obviously, if you just read that, you're just like, oh, oh man. Yeah, you see that and you <laughs> this say, this is, is a very insane. powerful effect. You like For me, I'm like, okay, bant, flicker, blink, any yeah. kind of shenanigans. Yeah, these are ETB all effects, I want colors. all of like, Yeah, it's like this, this card. Draw more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about free draws and ETBs and... Ramp like yeah, was literally basically like, free hey, ramp. Let's talk about all the things you want in commander, <laughs> and let's put yeah. it into your commander. All right, so right the the mechanic. There's not a specific mechanic really. It's just I just called it value. Yeah, it's, it's band just value. Bank, good stuff. Like it like, doesn't matter. It's kind of like Urza. It doesn't matter what you play. You're probably gonna get some good yeah. stuff. Like, at least going. Urza is like, hey, this is artifacts. You yeah. know, this is like. Yeah, I guess that's true. Hey, you like creatures with ETBs? You want yeah. ramp? ETB you, you tribal. Like, yeah, you like creatures? You like lands? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Card draw. <laughs> uh, the next deck we're going to talk about is Savage Hunger. It's a black, red, green, aka the Jund colors. Uh, the mechanics that we've got prevalent here is the Sacrifice Aristocrats theme, as well as some plus one, plus one counters. And our primary commander is Corvold, Fey Cursed King. Two black, red, green for a 4 4 legendary creature, Dragon Noble. He has flying. Whenever Corvold Fave Cursed King enters the battlefield or attacks, sacrifice another permanent. Whenever you sacrifice a permanent, put a plus one plus one counter on Corvold and draw a card. That's that the big is and a really powerful effect. Yeah, there's a lot going on with this guy. All of it good. As someone who has played a lot of aristocrats. <laughs> yeah, both of you guys really love aristocrats. <laughs> I don't know if it's at this point in time my most played archetype or my second most, but like I've played a lot of it in modern. Not that it's always good, because often it's bad, but it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, when we talk about value, I think Aristocrats is just up there as one of the most value-heavy themes. Um, so the next one we and got... And Jund. Oh, yeah. Jund, yeah, Jund is one yeah, of the... Like, I think they, they did really good color-wise on this yeah. set. Um, so the next one we've got is Fairy Schemes. It's white, blue, black. It is the Esper colors. And we've got the commander Alela Artful Provocateur. She's one white, blue, black for a legendary creature, fairy warlock, and she's a 2-3. So she's got flying, death touch, and lifelink. Uh, what is that? The Keep vampire it's... nighthawk? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a vampire nighthawk, but better. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's, she's got a lot more text here. <laughs> Other creatures you control with flying get plus one, plus oh. Nice. Whenever you cast an artifact or enchantment spell, create a 1-1 one, one blue fairy creature token with flying. So, so that's effectively one. a 2-1, yeah. Yeah. So she cares about artifacts, she cares about enchantments. That's what the deck is all about. Um, it is, I think, more focused on uh, artifacts, but that's just, you know, what they print. So it's enchantments, artifacts, tokens, and tribal. Yeah, I way before these decks came out, we got to play them on Arena, and this deck was just the powerhouse. Because it's basically, I'm going to play a lot of dudes and go wide while also playing heavy removal strategies, yep. which are really, well, and, really And the things rough. that help this deck go wide are these hard-to-interact-with cards, like artifacts and enchantments. And so you... you Especially when you're out, playing gonna... the, like, the Brawl decks Scratch. Like, yeah, There's yeah. not really that much Do I get rid of the enchantment and artifacts? Do I get rid of the creatures? Can I do both? Yeah, yeah. this this card is in the Spoiler vein no. of <laughs> yeah. Edgar you Markov. Because yeah. you're casting stuff and getting the value off of that while also getting the inc incidental value of getting a 2-1 flyer that you can then use to do whatever you want. Yeah. Yep. And fairies, I think, are just a really... They're not the most powerful tribe, but they're a sneaky good tribe, I they, think. I, I think they're arguably one of the most powerful tribes, though. Not in these Brawl decks, but no, in I, general. I mean, in the history sure. of Magic. Yeah, like, yeah. There's, people there's know. some really good upgrades you can make yeah, exactly. for fairies. All right, the last one we have here is Knight's Charge. White, black, red, also known as Mardu. Mardu. <laughs> I don't know why people always do that, but it's just like the... It's just good. It's fun. Um, so this is, again, a tribal deck. It's an equipment deck, and it is a combat matters kind of deck. So our commander here is Sir Gwyn, Hero of Ashvale. For three, red, white, black, six mana in total. For a legendary creature, Human Knight, it's a 5-5. Five, five. She's a 5-5. Five, five. 
She's got Vigilance and Menace, and whenever an equipped creature you control attacks, you draw one card and lose one life. Mm. And the little just like <laughs> yeah, cherry on that top wasn't here. Enough. Equipment you control have Equip Knight, zero. That is zero mana to put the equipment on the knight. Yeah, so obviously it's super equipment heavy and combat focused, but it's also... Like Drew was saying, that Knight Tribal, which has gotten a lot of support in the last few sets. Yeah. yeah, there's. I was really, really annoyed that this was one of, like when they spoiled her, I was pissed because I knew that, guess what set is rotating out that had a shitload of knights? Dominaria. Dominaria, just, it had so many good knights. I'm just like, yeah. why are you, this is the wrong time to print this card. I know. But I that might have been a balancing move because there were so many good knights, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I want to use all these good knights. Yeah. It, it was, I know, it was like a blue balls kind of thing. Like, yeah. I'm so excited to, to play this. It's like, oh, all of the cards that I was excited about, the cards that I have experience with, are leaving. They're gone. Yeah, which I think we can sort of harken back to one of the problems with brawls. It's a standard environment. Yeah. All right. So now we can get, finally, we've talked about the cards. Gary, you want to talk about power level? Yeah. I mean, we've been hyped up, and I think art-wise, we all know, we talked about it already, Throne of Eldraine is incredible. 10 out of 10. Uh, lore and story-wise, super good. Oh, yeah, the flavor. It harkens unreal. back it's, to all of us. It's only flavor. <laughs> it's all flavor, yeah. Um, but power level, and especially when we're talking about these pre-constructed decks and the right. commanders themselves, how does it sit? Does it measure up to what we thought? Does it fall flat what where do we find this product even fitting in in play for players i think it depends on what measuring stick we're using because if we're looking at the decks amongst themselves like i think the power level is fine for the most part i in, think that there's in just four of us playing yeah, the, yeah. with the four decks. I, I think for the most part it's fine i think that there's some balancing that goes between like just actual people playing the decks yeah um i think that if we're comparing it to standard like they had to balance the cards for standard so there are some cards that are very powerful if you can synergize with them well. Um, I think that if you look at someone like, I don't know, Tulane, and you're playing, you know, a Bant value deck, you're getting so much extra value just from having this guy in your deck, and he's legal, so he's allowed to be there. But I think that on his own, because he's going to be in your command zone, having five mana commander is sometimes taxing. Yeah, I think they they did Brawl right by making all of these commanders either five or six drops, just because if there was a, a two or three drop with uh, that was as good as these guys oh, I think it, it would have just screwed the whole format yeah. right from the beginning but yeah Drew I, I agree I think the the power level within themselves is fairly okay that does make me wonder though do you guys think that there's a specific commander that is the most powerful just among the four just just the commanders not like the decks just the commanders I think the decks are pretty meh right yeah, at the, the get go I mean that's you Precons are precons, pre but I well, think... Well, and they're also standard, so you can't have four You can't print a doubling season that breaks the whole format. <laughs> right, exactly. And yeah, because imagine if they'd done this them. when Anointed Procession was in, and yeah. they did a Layla, like, that day, immediately. Like, that would be... And it's already oversold as it is, right? Yeah, I... So, do you think there's... Again, do you think there's one of these commanders that is more powerful than the rest? I think they did really well with making all these commanders good in their colors and focusing their strategies, but... I just think Chulane is just, it's, if anybody talks about making your deck better, it's talking about ramp and card draw. Yeah. And having access to that the entire game and fueling your whole deck around that. Just imagine if you can play a spell that also draws you a card. If every spell you played said draw a card and or ramp, you your deck would be insane. And that's what Chulane essentially gives you. I don't think the deck that this card is built around capitalizes on the incredible abilities that it has but just raw power level i've got to agree with Corey. i mean it does everything that you want oh yeah this question was 100 percent biased yeah, yeah i think chilean is just because he does everything you want to do in commander but also just like hey you know what is just a good thing to do in the game of magic the gathering you play creatures how do we make creatures better we give them enter the battlefield effects how do we make creatures better than that we allow you to do that multiple times like, and you're drawing cards and, and ramping yeah. off of that. Yeah, I mean, I, the all of the commanders are good. They're fun. Do you think that the power level of them changes when you move from ED or from brawl to EDH? Hundred percent for sure. I, I think obviously they all get exponentially better. Right, but oh, I think yeah, for sure. I think Chilean is just the most abusable or the most easily abusable yeah. because the build around is just so much more extensive of the cards that you can use to even take advantage of the abilities yeah. for all of them, but especially Chilean. Yeah, I just think Tulane's colors just lend yeah, itself so well. 
to what exactly the whole deck wants to do. Um, well, speaking of just the decks, what about synergy? Um, I don't want to go super in depth here, so can we just get just be general? Chulane, uh, I feel like once you have Chulane out, the synergy's just there. You play creatures. That's the thing. Like you just Chulane just turns the whole deck on. It doesn't yeah. matter if your deck is garbage; you're just still getting good stuff. Uh, you guys didn't see Alayla in action, but just looking at the deck synergy again, just. Have your commander and play enchantments and artifacts. Seems yeah, good. I, I played it on arena and just wrecked people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about Mardu Knights, Sir Gwyn? What about Mardu Knights is tricky because it's so combat focused. I mean, obviously knights just as a tribe are really good, and there's a lot of good equipment you can put. But as a standard deck, it's not the best it could be. Okay, uh, and last one. I saved this because Corey, you have <laughs> you t- told me about a, a cool combo. Uh, what about Korvald? So Korvald, just straight out of the box, it's I think it's the second best deck just because of the just aristocrats is just you're gonna get value all the time. And then one of the easiest upgrades you can do for the deck into an EDH deck is just animation module and Ashnod's Altar. So I know Ashnod's Altar, right? Three mana, sack a creature, make two colors mana. What is animation module? So animation module is a one-drop artifact. Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are placed on a permanent you control, you may pay one colorless mana. If you do, create a one-one colorless servo artifact creature token. Yeah, okay. And then That's it has, true. you can pay three and tap it, choose a counter on target permanent or player. Give that permanent or player another counter of that kind. But you don't care about I was, that. I, was, I don't think I care you, about that with the deck. You have something you can sacrifice, and then you make... You put a plus one counter on Korvald, which starts this loop with animation module, where you're putting a counter on it, making a servo, which you can then sack to Ashnal's altar, which makes another ser- servo because you're putting a counter on Korvald because whenever you sacrifice something, you put a counter on him. And then you have, you net one mana every time, but you can just, you can draw your entire deck doing this and put as many counters as cards you have on Korvald. That's a pretty cool combo loop. That is, Sounds I good. honestly think, it's kind of rare in, in those colors to have yeah, a sort and, of draw engine and like it's, that. It's just two artifacts. That's all you need. With the command, of course, with Korvald. Yeah, yeah. But it's just a three-drop artifact and a one-drop artifact. So it's it's really... It's very easy to get to. Yeah. It's not very color restrictive. Right. I think that's why the Mardu Knights deck is somewhat medium in the standard environment. Because you can't just print a million really good equipment cards. Because every deck benefits from that being colorless. Yeah, and I think... Throne of Eldraine, they fixed that a little bit by making the color-specific artifacts or equipment, which obviously it helps Mardu Knights because those are the colors that you wanted it. But the other colors, it didn't really impact as much. Yeah, it's kind of weird to me, though. You look at just these cards in a standard environment, I don't think that you can play Sirkwin. That's six mana to invest in that. I mean, a six mana... You have to get massive value off it. Like, you have to have Colossus Hammer that also has Trample to get value off that. Six mana Vigilance... And Menace is really good. I just don't think it's fast enough. All right, let's get back to these beers real quick before we some pumpkins. get back to the rest of this episode. Uh, I got the Black Lantern here. It's solid. It's a it's a spiced stout. That's the way I I, I don't take that much of pumpkin. A, yeah. I think that's the accurate way to describe it. And it's I love stouts. Congratulations, you made a very good <laughs> beer, Wasatch. Nice I job. Two class. <laughs> Next, yeah, I had the I had the pumpkin ale from Dogfish Head, and I wouldn't say that it's a, just a generic pumpkin beer but that's what it is and it's delicious if you like pumpkin you should definitely try this one out if it you, is better than actually i will say that all of these aside from the rogue is significantly better than every other pumpkin beer that i've ever tried yeah i think that we somehow lucked into a fantastic batch i think pumpkin beers are really hit or miss because i think a lot of breweries just throw a lot of spice into their beers to try and make it pumpkin spice which I think can detract from a lot of flavors. Well, not just that, but also just like the cloying sweetness that you get from it. Yeah, and I think these these beers were brewed from the ground up with that in mind to not have that sweetness, but have just a, a more just depth of flavor to them. Yeah, I think brewing beers like this is better, actually, if you have people who are into the sweet dessert beers and want to do the whipped cream on top, like, the, you know, the black laner and kind of staple, that's fine, but don't make the beer super sweet already uh and i think like you said these three specifically aside from maybe the rogue um the the black lantern the elysian night owl and the uh pumpkin ale from dogfish head 
Um, I figured every single time you read that, it's always a dogfish head. <laughs> dogfish head. I, I think brewing them this yeah, way yeah, is good because they're they've got depth of flavor, they've got good characteristics, and then if you want to make them sweet, you can do that. Yeah, you know? I think it'd be really easy to make quote unquote bitch beer. They're just pumpkin spice, but these are actually yeah. really good beers. Yeah, and yeah, I, the well, illusion I, has probably the most spice, I think, um, but it's very heavy on the pumpkin, kind of a wheat base. But uh, that's a good beer. Uh, yeah. The Elysian's my favorite, I think. And then, of course, we got the Rogue Pumpkin Patch Ale. And I'm I'm not the biggest fan of pumpkin pie and pumpkin stuff. But if you are, this is the perfect beer for it. It's I think it's sort of transcended pumpkin pie for me <laughs> and just wound its way into a sort of gingerbread. Yeah, it like does it's, taste it's got like a lot of that sweetness and that ginger that they have just really comes through. Yeah, and it's kind of dry. Um, comparing the Elysian to the Rogue, they're actually pretty similar, but the Elysian has just more, a little more sweetness and a little more spice to it. I don't think Elysian has more sweetness, but it has just more powerful flavor. Yeah. Right. Like the, the sweetness the is, is just dude. accentuated by the spice and the earthiness that you get from the pumpkin seeds. I, I mean, I think the Elysian is the best one here. Yeah. And I agree. As far as like pumpkin beers go, I think the Wasatch is a fantastic stout. I think it's 100% fine, but... I really like the Rogue, but I think the Elysian is just better all around. We're doing a little mixing. Doing a little mixing of the pumpkin stout Black Lantern from Washach and the Elysian Night Owl. Okay. See, I think that's what the, the, the Black Lantern needed. It's just a little more spice and pumpkin to it, because it was really a sweet stout with some spice. That's more which is akin good. to what we had. At Oktoberfest. Yeah, 100%. Yep. That's a, yeah, it's, that's it's got all the maltiness of the stout with mm-hmm. the weird spice flavors. <laughs> all right. Let's get back to these decks. Uh, let's kind of just jam through this. Uh, what deck are you guys most looking forward to? Corey, go. Uh, I went Corvald because I like sacrificing stuff. Corvald's tight. I'm looking for a Layla. I like uh, the idea of going artifacts uh, heavy and just creating fairies out of nowhere. Drew. Uh, the Esper, just yeah. free tokens. Yeah, and I say it's free, but like a cha- enchantment tokens. I play enchantments. I'm gonna yeah, take the enchantment. It's, it's, it's hard like, not to love Corvald that. Corvald is, is number two by far. Uh, Tulane is Tulane's kind of boring. Yeah, Tulane's is it's, it's insanely it's good, good, but it's, it's just, too good. But you know what you're gonna do with it. You're gonna yeah. draw cards. You're gonna play lands, and you're gonna whoop ass. And all right, we got these decks. Uh, how do you take the deck? that you just said and turn it into an EDH deck. What are the, some of the cards you're looking at to pump it up? Corey, number one, I don't know I don't know why this isn't your number one, but you got Blood Artist as your number three. So I didn't really do this in any order. I just did what came to mind, but I've got Blood Artist, which is just, it's supposed to encapsulate just aristocrat shenanigans and good stuff. Just everything, all the cards that come up with that, Zulaport, Cutthroat, all that stuff. And then I've got Marion of Clan Neltoth. She's my girl. She's my, <laughs> That was my first EDH deck. So I would just migrate that just sacrifice shell into this deck because Corvald wants you to sacrifice a lot of stuff. And then my last card is just one of my favorite cards of all time. It's just Dictate of Erebos. And it's pain in the ass to play I like against. How <laughs> on here you have one of the most <laughs> obnoxious cards to play against. But I I just love it. Okay, Gary, what do you got? You're not wrong. Uh, so with Alayla, I I put in the the good control elements, quote unquote, the source to plowshares, the path to exiles, the really cheap cheap removal, to where you removal. can just say no 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 all day. <laughs> uh, you've got the colors for it. Uh, I think as lazy as it sounds, Ristic Study is just so good. You can't not put it in the deck. Um, and me personally, I want to turn the deck a little bit towards this kind of staxy control element where you put things like <laughs> Grand Arbiter Augustine the Fourth in, uh, just because you already have this engine that can kind of create free value for you and create these creatures that are evasive and have you know a little bit of pump to them. There's no reason why you shouldn't shut the board down in these colors, uh, and you've you've got the ability to do it. All right, and then for mine, again, we're looking at the Alila deck. Uh, I've been trying to build Azura the Enchanted deck for a while. I don't want it to be like tier one EDH Zer competitive. Doomsday. Yeah. But because I already have the framework for it, just take the Zer, you know, put him in the 99 and then just keep building that deck, but with Alayla. Yeah, see, that's kind of how I would do with Marin too. Yeah. Uh, and then again, obviously, you got to have the good removal elements like Gary talked about, Rhystic Studies, a good include. But I think I'd want 
propaganda and ghostly prison in there and you're in the colors you might as well throw them in yeah yeah those, uh, those are really defensive cards but they also make you tokens that you can be aggro with so yeah, it's exactly. like a fuel bull <laughs> yeah it's defensive in that you know they can't attack you but that doesn't mean you can't attack exactly them. yeah uh and my number one is one of my like most hyped cards from eldraine in general is just mirror mate i don't know why it's not in the deck maybe because there's not that many enchantments in it maybe because yeah it's actually just too good for <laughs> but people are gonna <laughs> make it anyways right um so are there any other cards from uh, it's usually the 99 from edh but the 59 which sounds bad so i there's only about 20 ish cards i don't even know if there's that many new cards there's there's a select few number of cards yeah that that are new cards it's just made specifically for these decks and so we didn't have a lot of things to look at but there's there's still some goodies so i went with tome of legend it's a two drop artifact and it went when it enters the battlefield it enters with a page counter on it and then whenever your commander enters the battlefield or attacks put a page counter on it and you can pay one and tap it remove a page counter from tome legends to draw a card so i think this is just a really good card for either monocolor decks especially in red and white that don't have a lot of card draw that focus on combat mechanics and stuff and then white can abuse like flicker mechanics because it's just enter the battlefield they i think just think this is a really good support card for a lot of those decks yeah, and it's just because I'm sure people are going to be but I put that Arcane Signet is not allowed to be on our list because it would be literally number one for <laughs> all of us. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the best yeah, card. Yeah, agreed. And then my next one is Shimmer Dragon. It's four blue-blue for a 5-6 creature dragon with flying. As long as you control four more artifacts, it has hexproof, and then you can tap two untapped artifacts you control to draw a card. I think that's a really, really powerful effect just because this only runs in artifact decks and... A lot of those decks have artifacts that are either just sitting there not doing a whole lot or just have static effects that you can tap on somebody's end step. And obviously, this can go well in stacks decks that care about things being untapped on other people's turns and tapped on your turn and stuff like that. But I just think that it's just a really cool flavor card. And then my last one is Fairy Formation. So it's four and a blue for a 5-4 creature fairy. It has flying and three in a blue. Create a one-one blue fairy creature token with flying and draw a card. So I think the fact that, that's just tagged on there. Yeah, like if it wasn't already good enough, I just think that just having if you mono blue is really good and really easy at making infinite mana. And I think this is just a a mana sink that you can make an ass load of tokens to kill everybody with, or you can draw your whole deck in lab man. I just think it's just another combo with that. Okay, Drew, what do you got? All right, so the first one on my list is Steelbane Hydra. I love this art. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. I think that's probably why it's on my list. Like, it's, it's a totally fine card. So it's X green green for a zero zero creature turtle hydra. It's still being hydra. Enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. And it has this activated ability, which is the reason why it's on my list. For two and a green, remove a plus one plus one counter from steel bane hydra. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. So turtle hydra, X in its cost, activated ability, all good things. Um, <laughs> Especially but, turtle hydra. Yeah, but really uh, just you can slot this into basically any green deck uh plus one plus one counter decks big mana decks just anything that struggles with artifacts or enchantments and is okay with having a big body to smash with if they don't need that yeah i think this card is just it's really scalable as well because you can play it as a one one for three mana and then grow it bigger over time because that's probably what you want to do in plus one plus one counter decks and then just keep removing counters and just blowing up stuff yeah, the threat of activation on this i think is very real yeah oh, it's like politics and things like that and just i feel like for a lot of us it it kind of is a little painful to add a card just to remove artifacts and enchantments, something like that. And so just to have that on a creature that you care about anyways, just it's that nice yeah, little... Yeah, you usually want to save those slots for cards that really focus in on your strategy. Like Vandal Blast is just one of those cards that everyone's going to run, but things like this, which you can just get repeated value, I think are just as good. Yeah, it's like adding scavenging ooze, right? Like yeah. You don't necessarily need to always have grave hate in your deck but having it is just a value creature that also like sometimes hoses certain yeah decks. sometimes you need to remove just one card all right so now my next one is knight's charge so it's one white black for an enchantment whenever a knight you control attacks each opponent loses one life and you gain one life also has the activated ability six white black sacrifice knight's charge return all knight creatures cards from your graveyard to the battlefield so this card has massive potential i'm looking at edgar markov uh my vampire deck there for this one, because there's actually a decent amount of incidental knights in Vampire Tribal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty I think there's like 25 or something I, like I think total. Edgar is a vampire he knight is. himself, yeah. yeah. Uh, so if the density of like the vampire knights isn't there, then maybe I just have to build a knight's tribal deck, which I think is totally, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, 
I did have Tomb, I did have Tome of Legends on my deck, but I mean, Corey, you talked about it. Red decks, white decks, aggro decks, slotted in. Yeah, card, uh, colorless card draws is really good. So my honorable mention is actually just one of the commanders. I think that Corvold uh, is just great. I think just I want him in my Jund Aristocrats deck. Um, I've been looking at building either Mardu or Jund, and I think that having a card like this like starts to pivot you towards it just because it cares about permanence, not just creatures. Yeah. So it adds a little bit more flexibility to, to what you're able to do. Yeah, exactly. All right, Gary. So obviously I had Tome of Legends as well. Uh, it's just a solid value engine. Uh, I feel kind of cheap putting it on the list, but I'm always excited when we get a command tower to to refuel everybody. I mean, the price always just creeps, 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 creeps. Plus that new art. Plus the new it's art. So yeah. good. It's sick. Um, I, I also have Mace of the Valiant on here. There's not a whole lot of cards we can choose from here, but this is a two and a white for an artifact equipment. It's a decent equipment when you're talking about a deck that cares about equipments. So it's equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each charge counter on Mace of the Valiant and has Vigilance, which is really nice. Whenever a creature enters a battlefield under your control, put a charge counter on Mace of the Valiant, and it's equipped for three. So it's a little expensive to get this thing going, but if you're playing a lot of creatures, you're getting that value, you're pumping a huge creature and giving them Vigilance, this is a, a, a true menace for people to try and deal with. Um, it's like Exalted Tokens. Like yeah, that's kind unfortunately, of like it doesn't give them a whole lot of uh, evasion, <laughs> which is a bummer. But but it's the fact a good that it gives vigilance is uh, like allows it to be yeah. a defensive card as well. It really does nice. create some weird math for people in, in combat. So, all right, yeah, uh, I think it can quickly get out of hand. All right, so just all right, guys. So what's the biggest disappointment of the set for me? It's the availability, right? Like the fact that yeah, they don't put uh, MSRP on products anymore. So like people were figuring this is probably like a twenty five thirty dollar product. And I paid forty dollars for these decks. Uh, individually buying the decks, like I think the Layla deck was like fifty. The Tulane was like fifty five when I was looking at them. Two hundred deck, two hundred for the whole like set of these decks. Uh, not great. No. Corey, yeah, I'd I'd have to agree. I think that like they they made all these cards pretty good, so I don't think that's can be a disappointment factor. But like Drew, you're saying, just it, they're just so hard to get. And if you just want to place with some awesome new cards, like you don't want to shell out just. 200 bucks yeah, just I to get some new decks. 40 bucks each. Yeah. Yeah. Gary? I can't say I'm not disappointed for the same reasons you guys are because as a commander player, I didn't want to have to buy a freaking brawl deck to get the cards that I needed. And of course, anytime you release a set that only has the availability of buying in, in singles, that's also kind of feels bad. Like I have no way of getting these without just playing full price for them. Oh, absolutely. And there is no full price. Like nobody knows what the price should be. Uh, but I, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I kind of jumped in there. I, I actually think Tulane, like the deck does not do any of the things I wanted it to do. As far as the Brawl deck constructed the way it is, uh, Tulane should be so, and I'm sure they did it as a balancing thing, but it should be so powerful and it just kind of dirtles, which was kind of a bummer. That might have been on purpose <laughs> Probably because it's was. obviously the most <laughs> yeah. powerful. Yeah, you look at the, the stats on the deck and there's like, 11 ramp cards, yeah. but most of them put stuff onto the battlefield or are already on the battlefield. That's more than most of the commander decks that they print. I think that's more than any commander deck they've ever printed. And that's a problem. That's 11 cards for a out brawl deck out of 60. Yeah. yeah. Right? To be 59. the equivalent, it's like 16 or 17 cards in a commander deck. All right. So, best non commander card. So, I think Court. this is a cop out Arcane Signet. Arcane Signet. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. Garion? You, <laughs> you don't even need to say anything about it. So. <laughs> I thought the rules were no arcane signet, so I did a little bit of a deeper. Oh no, that was that was for earlier, not for this. Yeah, uh, I actually found incubation druid. I don't know necessarily it's the best non-commander card, but I think it's extremely good. It's one of these things where we it's giving these sort of ma mana dorks the ability to adapt not just as a creature but as a mana dork. So it's one in a green for zero for a zero two creature elf druid. Tap and add one mana of any type that a land you control could produce. If incubation druid has a plus one plus one counter on it, add three mana of that type instead. And for three green green you can adapt three, giving it three plus one plus one counter. So it's one of those kind of scalable ramp mana dork kind of things. Uh, I think it has a utility in any deck that's running green. Uh, best good. new commander. Garion, which one? Tulane. Corey? Tulane. Drew? Tulane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's abusable indefinitely. So I think he's the most powerful, but I think that the best new commander is Sir Gwyn, just because I think that it adds more than what Tulane does. 
I think that having Night Tribal in Mardu, like before Night Tribal was black white, like that was basically how you had to build it. And you could build Mardu, but there wasn't like a commander that was like the signpost commander. I think having Sir Gwyn just adds that. And I think that that's cool because she's also just an equipment, you know, package commander as well. Yeah, I think Sir Gwyn is the most interesting of all the synergies mm -hmm. because there's, oh, Esper, Artifact, Enchantment Control. Cool, we've, we've had that. We've and then, that. Oh, Gian, Aristocrats. We yeah, that. we got that. And Shatter then, oh, oh Bant Value. Yeah, yeah, we got that. Bant Flicker also still. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. Uh, so let's finish off here with evaluating the product. Is this, as far as we can tell, a successful product? Did it meet Watsi's goals, right? We read them out earlier. Uh, did it sell well? Those are kind of like the three things we have to look at. I mean, it sold out and people are pissed about it and they have to reprint it. So I think it, it sold too well, way far ahead of what they were presenting but if is it is it a good product i don't know if we can tell that yet because they wanted to push brawl and i don't know if people i personally are don't brawl. think it is i think as a product it's you don't have a fan base for brawl yet so you're hoping that people will jump in but you're also withholding cards from people who want to use these cards for other sets other formats uh i i think it's a a bad way to go about it ethically and financially for your customers i i think it's a feels bad for a lot of people and i, I think watsy should try to avoid those as often as possible yeah i think that as like a marketing financial thing this is successful and i think that's the problem 100%. is that they're going to see that this made money yeah and so this is what they're going to do in the future yeah it's just like box toppers and like the full art sets you can only get if you buy the whole set, stuff yeah. like that. that People still buy because they love it and they want the awesome art. Yeah, but there's, it's, it's uh, just a I cash think there's, grab. Yeah, that's that underlying. We always joke about it, like in the play group, like addiction kind of thing. Like you do want these cards; they're really cool. But if they refuse to give you cards in a certain way without buying all of this other unnecessary shit, they know they're preying upon sort of the, you know, the, the magic dudes who just want to get at all of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, there's actually a really good video up uh, from Tolarian Community College. The professor did a really good video on the L-Train uh, collector's booster box thing yeah, that they were the, selling. And why you shouldn't and buy it. Why you shouldn't buy it, exactly. Yeah. And I think that that is a video that you guys need to go watch because to me, the Brawl decks feel very much like that yeah and he, maybe he's got a review on the brawl decks and it's probably really similar but go watch that uh basically that meets my opinion of what's going on here to buy two of those packs and not get what you wanted you could have bought any card in the set with or without the you know borders yeah, even the full r shit for that yeah uh, i guess talking about successful product you guys touched on is this a good product and we kind of all agree that this is not a good product it's a good commander product but because it's not a commander product because it, the problem is the thing. <laughs> a commander product provides every year it provides us valuable reprints sometimes that we don't want per se and a but, playable deck which this is unfortunately not I mean it's playable in brawl right but not commander probably no I mean you gotta I mean, add 40 legally, cards yeah. but yeah <laughs> but yeah I yeah uh, my last question here I think is the most complicated one have they set a precedence moving forward sadly do, yes but do we need Brawl decks for every standard set moving forward. Do we want them? Uh, if they are going to do this again, regardless of when, did they set a high bar with this product? Are they stepping on the toes of Commander, right? They just printed Commander two months ago, right? Or released the product, I guess they probably printed it ages ago. But are they stepping on the toes? Like, there's, I guess it's a weighted question, right? But so do we need them for every set? God, you, I you, hope not. You have to look at it from the different perspectives because I think that's what this argument always is. is from Watsi's perspective and the buyer's perspective. The yeah, buyers Watsi, they can don't, print it for cheap. Yeah, the buyers don't need this. They don't there there's Do not, they want it? I don't think so. I think we it's sold out quickly for other people. You know, I, I don't know and maybe we're not we're out of touch of the brawl community. We don't play a lot of brawl, but I just I don't, don't think we're out of touch see, with the brawl community because yeah, I don't think there is a brawl community. Yeah, I don't I just don't see it. I don't see it as being a, a popular format. I think people, people don't go to a game store with four commander decks in their bag and say, Hey, you guys want to play a game? Oh, you don't have a deck? I have decks. Yeah. You don't say, Hey, who wants to play Brawl? Right. Right. It's like I need to get my standard games in, my sealed league deck games in, my commander just casual games. Exactly. You don't I think it's just better to if you're going to focus on commander products, focus on commander products. If you really want to push standard products, push standard products, but don't 
necessary. You don't have to try and make this extra money grab every year with another release that is specific only through this means. Yeah, I understand where Watsy's coming from, but I I think they missed the mark. But long shot. I mean, they made the hand of fist money. Right. But um, I think they, they did the people wrong. I guess that ties into the, the next part of this question, which is just, so if they are going to do this again, regardless of when, is this a high bar that they've set? I think Tulane obviously is like, yo, this has been insane. Like, this would be insane as a commander, let alone fucking in Brawl. Yeah. So is this, is this product as a whole a high bar, or is this like something that can... I think personally that they have set a high bar and I think that the problem is that they've set a high bar. The reason that they sold these was because they had a few really powerful arcane, arcane signet, the commanders command tower. These things are what drove the selling of the product. And so now if you try and sell this next year without these goodies, no one will buy that. So now you have to have value for other formats right but it's i just, see that as the arcane signet is the new soul ring right they're going to print if they're going to do brawl decks every year they're going to have command tower and they're going to have arcane signet in it i think that if it's a yearly product that that's going to happen and if it happens to be for every set which god i hope it's not because that's just <laughs> that's too it's, much it's way too much yeah. yeah i think a lot of people talk about the power creep and i think our creep is real the power creep is extremely real and I agree with Gary in that the bar has been set, especially with, just look at Shulane, like, yeah. that card is already so powerful, like, if they try and even just match him, or just even do better than that, then people are gonna be frustrated because it breaks format, or if they make commanders that are much less powerful than the ones that they did, then I think people are gonna get really frustrated, because they are they don't feel like they're getting the value that they want. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add, I think that Unfortunately, my last question is the question I think I directed more at myself is just, are they stepping on the toes, Commander? Absolutely. 100%. You don't yep. print a card like Tulane in a Brawl deck to just because you're going to try and push Brawl. Like, this is way too much in our face. Hey, this card, also good, Commander. Play Brawl first, though, because you, we have this entire constructed deck. To me, this is, that's stepping over line to me, is to print something like that with that, with the idea that you're trying to get Commander players into Brawl. The idea is to push Brawl. That is what this this product is meant to do. Commander is not really trying to push Commander. Commander already exists like as the strongest format. Like You don't have to push that. All you have to do is say, hey, we've got this product. Give us money. And that's what's going on. And with the problem Brawl, with it different. is that Brawl feels like they're trying to steer Commander players away from Commander to do this thing because it's quicker. I or don't think they're trying to steer Commander players away from I think they're trying to say, you should play this as well as Commander. Right, but they're trying to get at that same group who likes that format, and the problem is that us Commander players, we gravitated to Commander for the Eternal. I think... And then they're taking it away from us. Yeah, I think... Yeah. No, I, I really do think 80 to 90% of people who go to Commander don't go, I want really long games and a million fucking life I gotta kill. They go, I can play any card that I've ever owned, pretty much. And so now they're saying, hey, you really got... You, the only way you can do this is if you buy these decks and you gotta play this format... And, oh, by the way, you're going to have to buy new decks every year or two years, you know? And it just does, it does feel like they're trying to sort of undercut what Commander is well, I feel like in if they're order gonna do, to create a more profitable Right. I feel like if they're going to do a set like this, you don't do it two months after you just released Commander. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that, that, like, for me, that's stepping heavy on my wallet, right? Like, yeah. put the six months after. Like, space this out correctly. Don't do this. Yeah, I think if you just look at a set like Dominaria, like, I think they did it well by just having lots of legendary creatures, which opened a lot of different options for people. And then you could build that or build those commanders sort of into the brawl environment. And yeah, just, I think that's, that's the correct way to I, do it. Instead of just having, hey, here's a product that you need to buy because these are the best cards for this format and these are the cards going forward for this format instead of just building the format from what was already there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think that's I mean as what, what else is, can we correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what else can we say about I, it? I, I think they they tried and they missed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we clearly have opinions on this <laughs> uh but let's wrap this episode up here. Elysian, best best beer. Yeah, I think we're the show. Yeah. Goes to Elysian uh, Night Owl. For sure. Uh, best commander, Tulane. Tulane, yeah. Best card, Arcane Signet. Yeah. 
No, I, I think that's the TLDR here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> seriously. Uh, leave us a comment. I do want to hear what other people are feeling about Brawl. If are you as chapped people, as we are? Yeah. If, well, and also, if there are people out there playing Brawl, are you excited about it? What What does this environment look like? Because I just don't see it. I don't see the the community that's buying these products other than for other formats. You know, so we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Also, check out our YouTube at UUD Podcast or Untap Upkeep Drink. Uh, we're definitely going to be listing all these cards off so that you can read them all. We didn't read everything that we, but we're going to have the images up so you can yeah. check them out on YouTube. Yeah, and if if you guys like pumpkin beers, let us know because we've talked to a lot of people. Yeah, and they either love them or hate. Yeah, there's definitely split <laughs> This is Hawaiian pizza all over. <laughs> So as we always like to say on this podcast, guys, have fun, but not too much. <laughs>